Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Mary, thy beloved spouse, and of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I will not believe until I place my finger into the nail prints of his hands and my hand into his side. Famous words of St. Thomas, for which he is forever remembered as being doubting Thomas. And the scene which is described in John's Gospel, which we read from today, chapter 20, is portrayed artistically by the great Italian artist Caravaggio, one of my favorite painters. Uh, the image is right in front of me here. A wide-eyed Thomas is putting his finger into Christ's side as he shows him the side uh, where the nail, pardon me, where the, the lance of the centurion had pierced his side and his heart. It's rather unfortunate Thomas should be remembered just for those words. We should remember him even more for the next words he spoke, which are, my Lord and my God. These words reveal his deep faith. It's true, Thomas didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead until he saw him. But his words, my Lord and my God, reveal his faith in Christ because when he saw Jesus standing before him, he saw Jesus in his human nature standing before him. He could not see the Son of God. And his words reveal his faith that Jesus is truly the Son of God. Faith is believing what we cannot see. And Thomas's words reveal his faith in Christ. Those words I like to remind people are words we should say at the elevations at Mass. It's a tradition. When the host is lifted up, when the chalice is lifted up, to strike one's breast and say, Dominus meus et Davis meus, my Lord and my God. I do that after the elevations when I kneel. When I strike my breast, I say those words, reminding myself that the greatest miracle on earth has just taken place before my eyes, something that I have to believe in faith because I cannot see it, just like Thomas could not see the divinity of Jesus Christ. Faith is believing what we cannot see or fully understand. It concerns a different order, okay, because faith deals with things that can't be proved empirically. They can't be weighed, they can't be measured. In faith, we believe Jesus is divine and human, true God and true man. In faith, we believe that he suffered, died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. St. Paul says, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. In faith, we believe that when water is poured over someone's head, and the words I baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are said, that a transformation takes place, that original sin is washed away, that God's very life is poured into that person's soul, that life we call sanctifying grace. And in faith, we believe that the Last Supper Jesus took bread and wine. He said, this is my body, this is my blood. And this was the institution of the holy sacrifice of the mass. We believe in faith that 
Jesus wanted that same sacrifice perpetuated until the end of time by his priests. He told them, do this in memory of me. We believe in faith that when Jesus saw the apostles on that first Easter Sunday evening, he gave them the power, a share of his own power, to forgive sins in his name. And he said to them, those whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and those whose sins you retain are retained. I think it's highly significant that the first thing Jesus did when he appeared to his apostles that first Easter Sunday was to give them the power to forgive sins in his name. This Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, is now called Divine Mercy Sunday because the Church celebrates the institution of this great sacrament of mercy, as I like to call it. What is the purpose of the sacrament of penance and confession? Well, primarily, it is for the forgiveness of sins of a serious nature committed after baptism. We all know that we sin, but it is only mortal sins that take us out of God's grace, make us unable to receive Holy Communion, unable to get to heaven. And the sacrament was instituted primarily for the purpose of restoring someone to a state of grace who had lost that state after baptism. Jesus Christ came to make available to us God's unbounded mercy. I like to call Jesus the mercy of God incarnate. It was out of mercy that he became man, suffered and died on the cross for our sins. And God's mercy is infinite. There are no limits to it. We can all take advantage of it. The only obstacle to receiving it is a person's unwillingness to repent, turn back to God, ask forgiveness. I prepare the little ones for their first confessions. And I say to them, I stress to them, that, well, if someone commits some mortal sins and they never repent, they never tell God they're sorry, and they die, never having told God they're sorry, where do they go? And they, they look at me very seriously and they, they say, to hell. I say, yes. Does God want people to go to hell? No. So what does he do for us? He gives us the sacrament of penance. So we can repent of our sins and be restored to a state of grace. And <clears throat> we have to remember that we just don't float back into a state of grace. I mean, it takes a confession of sins if we've committed a serious sin. But that great sacrament is also available for even venial sins because we receive a special help from that sacrament, that special grace, the sacrament of grace in confession to help us not fall into even venial sins. This is called devotional confession. Now, another thing we believe related to this in faith is that through the sacrament of holy orders, a priest has the power to act in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, to forgive sins, to reconcile us unto God. One of the beautiful things I must admit, being a priest, is seeing people's complete confidence and trust in me as a priest. I've heard everything, believe me. And when people confess things, I'm just very humbled by 
by that trust and confidence they show in me as the priest. That's why, um, well, I know that I'm Christ's instrument, you know, acting in his person. That's why I say, I absolve you from your sins. I don't say Jesus absolved you. I say, I absolve you because I am speaking in the person, acting in the person of Christ. And when our little ones are preparing for their first confessions, I tell them that you know, if I'm in one confessional, and Jesus comes down from heaven, he's in the other confessional, you can go to either Jesus or me, same thing, to get forgiveness of your sins. Okay. Beautiful. And Jesus wants us to trust in his mercy. This is the basic message he gave to Polish nun, Sister Faustina Kowalska, back in the 1930s. She's now Saint Faustina. And Jesus, when he appeared to her, he said, this is the last opportunity of mercy I am giving the world. It is a compliment to Christ's appearances to Saint Mark and Mary, where he asked for reparation to his sacred heart for sins. In, in his apparitions to to Saint Faustina, he asked that people trust in his mercy, <clears throat> and he appeared as the image to my right, portrays him with red and white rays coming forth from his breast, from his heart, okay, to symbolize the when his, his side heart appears, blood and water came forth, signs of baptism and of the Eucharist. And Jesus asked Faustina to have a painting, you know, painted him as he appeared to her in the divine mercy image. And Jesus asked that this Sunday, in which we read this gospel, that it be celebrated as a divine mercy feast day. And <clears throat> it took some years for the church to finally prove this. They investigated it. In the year 2000, Pope John II proclaimed this Sunday, Divine Mercy Sunday. And actually, also, he canonized St. Faustina. She's the first saint canonized in the new millennium, in the year 2000. And Jesus made a great promise to Faustina regarding this Sunday. I'll quote him. On this day, the depths of my tender mercy are open. The soul that will go to confession within eight days before or after Mercy Sunday and receive Holy Communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be like a scarlet. Now what's amazing about these words of Jesus is that he promises not only the forgiveness of sins, which we always receive if we're truly sorry when we go to confession, but all punishment for sin is remitted if we confess and then go to communion on the Sunday. We usually don't get all punishment permitted for, for sin by confessing. That's why the priest gives a penance, in order to make up for what we've done wrong. If we don't make up for all that our sins, assuming we die in a state of grace, well then we'll go to purgatory and there be purified of those remnants of sin. Jesus promises this great outpouring of mercy on this, on this Sunday if we receive Holy Communion. And it is primarily Holy Communion that remits this punishment. Not the sacrament of penance, it's the Eucharist. Yes, it's the Eucharist we're receiving 
on this Sunday. And <clears throat> that complete remission of sins is likened to being baptized as an infant, or even as an adult. All sin is washed away, and all punishment for sin is washed away if an adult is baptized. That's what Jesus promises for this Divine Mercy Sunday. And it's a great outpouring of mercy, as he says, the depths of my tender mercy are open on this, this Divine Mercy Sunday. Let us take advantage of this great outpouring of God's mercy and let us place our complete trust and confidence in Christ and in this great sacrament of mercy, never fearing to take advantage of that mercy offered to us. This is why Jesus instructed St. Faustina also to have the words, Jesus, I trust in you bottom of that divine mercy image, so that we would never doubt his mercy, always trust in his mercy, always have confidence in his mercy, because the mercy of God endureth, as the Psalms say, forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.